Welcome to Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer, a podcast where testicular cancer survivors, caregivers, and others who have navigated the cancer journey share their stories. The podcast comes to you from the Max Mallory Foundation, a nonprofit family foundation focused on educating about testicular cancer in honor and in memory of Max Mallory, who died in 2016 at the young age of 22 from testicular cancer. Had he survived, Max wanted to help young adults with cancer. This podcast helps meet that goal. Here now is your host, Joyce Lofstrom, Max's mom and a young adult cancer survivor. This is Joyce, and it's just going to be me today talking with you, and I just want to talk a little bit about some of the testicular cancer headlines I've seen in the recent weeks, Uh, and I'm talking to you in uh, mid-August, so just to give you an idea of when those headlines might appear, a couple things I've noticed, and I use a Google alert, which is how I get most of my news on testicular cancer, um, and on Twitter, too. So I'm just going to look at an alert from, actually, this is a couple months ago. And what I am struck with when I look at these headlines, it's a couple things. One is the, actually, this would appear after June, but the recurring concern about the PFAS uh, contaminants um, in the environment, uh, really across the world, but I'll talk specifically about the U.S. There are repeated headlines about that, about water being contaminated, uh, about concern not just with testicular cancer, but other kinds of cancer that um, seem to be linked to this chemicals. And they call them forever chemicals, meaning that we all have them in, at you know some amount in our bodies. and they can now measure them, and it's pretty scary. And it's it's pretty scary that it's been going on for many years, and now we are more aware of it, and want to do something about it. And I think uh, I say that as you know, the mother of a son who died from testicular cancer, but really as a mother or a parent in general, when you hear about this type of thing and. Uh, just wonder what you can do about it. So I think that's something that for all of us as consumers and as consumers worried about or people, parents, whatever, worried about testicular cancer, I, I think I would just keep up with that. Uh, and I will also come back to it in this podcast. I know um, the Chicago Tribune did a big study and kind of investigative reporting articles, series of articles on it. So that's something I can give you more information about. The other thing I notice in some of these headlines is, I'll call it the mix of people getting testicular cancer, but it seems, which makes sense in a way, sports figures who have been diagnosed with testicular cancer. And, you know, I see a lot of headlines of people who are just diagnosed and are starting their journey. And then others who have been through the the treatments, the chemo, whatever it is they have had to do, and are back 
on the field or wherever they might be playing. And I guess my point in talking about this is just kind of the, the categories of topics that are covered in these alerts. So here's a headline back to the PFAS, and I'm using the abbreviation because it's much easier to say. And this was a headline, a town in Illinois, Belleville, Illinois, which is by St. Louis, I think. Well, it says here that a new law signed into law in Illinois makes it illegal to incinerate a class of toxic chemicals known to cause cancer and other health problems. And these are the PFAS substances that you can no longer incinerate. And this is related to the Department of Defense because it, this ingredient is used in firefighting foam. It was you know, also used at military in, installments, such as Scott Air Force Base is one of them they're mentioning here. So the other thing that's kind of scary about this ingredient or this chemical is that this group of chemicals is also very common in consumer products, such as nonstick pans, waterproof clothes, microwave popcorn bags, Fast food wrappers and stain-resistant carpets, which I have one of those in my house right now. And we got that because of our dogs. And they also link this PFAS to thyroid disease, low birth weight, reduced responsiveness to vaccines, increased cholesterol, liver damage, kidney cancer, and testicular cancer. And these chemicals are unregulated in the U.S., According to this article. And so there's just a whole lot of information on what they are and then also the health risks that we all might be exposed to. And they're talking about if you live close to a place, manufacturing plant that would produce PFAS, you need to have some concern about that. So this article just goes into that, those details. Again, it was June 8th from the Belleville newspaper, Belleville News Democrat, uh, Kelsey Landis was the reporter. So if that's something of interest to you, I would look that up. Uh, Belleville News Democrat, June 8th, and it's now illegal in Illinois to incarcerate or incinerate toxic chemicals known to cause cancer. So that's just the beginning of that uh, topic from two months ago. And I think the other thing that if you do this type of alert for any topic, there's always some articles about how to prevent or how to be aware of testicular cancer, uh, which I think is very helpful because it's basic information, and I bet most of you listening know this already. But if you don't, it's important to be aware of it. So in this article, which is from St. Luke's University Health Network and the Penn Foundation for Behavioral Health Services, and it talks about how to stop the spread of testicular cancer. And uh, it's really comparing, which I think is a good comparison, the need for men to check their testicles uh, as women check their breasts for laps. And uh, I think that's a good kind of comparison to think about. I like the statistic. I don't like it, but it's a, it kind of sets the stage for us about testicular cancer about 10,000 people will be diagnosed with it this year. You know, it's not as much as many other cancers, but I think that's also why it makes it important for us to keep building awareness. Because without us building awareness, that number will go up. And so 
it's real basic, you know, the whole thing about self-exams and making sure that we do it and men do it. And if you find something, make sure you go check it out, which is really the message of everybody on these podcasts that I've done is not to wait. People wait. It's not just men with testicular cancer concerns. It's, you know, anybody with anything that might seem kind of weird uh, to go to a doctor about. And I think it's because it's scary and you're afraid and it's sometimes easier just to let let it go and think, oh, well, you know, it'll be all right and I won't have to worry about it and things like that. And it's better to find out. I mean, it's just, there's no other way to say it. It's just a basic concern. Go find out. Now, I'm looking at some other headlines back to that topic of the chemicals. Now there's chemicals in tap water. This is in New Jersey, a story about a a young man in uh, New Jersey who developed testicular cancer, and they're saying contaminated tap water might have been the, the main reason for his cancer. And it was five years ago, and so he was in Middlesex County of New Jersey, and he was 25 at the time. So he had his testicle removed, one testicle, and had chemo to treat it. So, again, it's back to the water. And they measured, this was PFOA, another chemical that is of concern. It's part of this group of chemicals, the PFAS chemicals. And this article just goes into what happened and what they did and the concern that the water was contaminated because there was a chemical manufacturing plant near the water source and that's how that chemical got into the water and again it's just something to think about now I don't live near a, a plant that produces these chemicals thank goodness but many people throughout the country probably do live near plants that produce different things so I think again if you do maybe that's just something to look into it doesn't mean your water's contaminated but it's worth finding out about it and it kind of goes back to our whole thing of protecting the environment and you know keeping people safe I think the other thing when I look at some of these testicular cancer stories is I think about Max my son who died and I mean his cancer was was genetic. I mean, he was born with an undescended testicle, as you know, and we were told he didn't have a second testicle, so nobody worried about it, including the doctors. You know, my message on that has always been your situation uh, or your loved one's situation, then you really need to go check it out and ask about it and make sure that they can find where the testicle might be or just have all the information as your son or your loved one gets over or older. So now here's an article that I've seen this several times. It's a new procedure, new surgery for having an RPLND, and this doctor is in San Antonio, and it's a less invasive, more robotic surgery uh, to remove the lymph nodes that you get removed with that really invasive RPLND surgery. And so I've read about this surgery, and he has been doing it successfully, and he can do it without harming major blood vessels, which is also very good. And 
I'll read this paragraph from the article, and then I'll give you the source. It says, instead of an incision running the length of this young man's torso, Dr. Mansour has adopted robotic surgery using five small half-inch incisions to remove the lymph node. After everything was removed, the big lymph node is no longer there, uh, the doctor said. And so with this kind of a surgery, there's a less of a chance of infection, less blood loss, less pain. And you also have a shorter hospital stay down to about two days and recovery in two weeks. Now, that's a big deal for any of you who have been through this. If this becomes protocol, I think that's good news for anyone looking to have this surgery. So this article, actually, it's from a, news, a television station, WAFB Local News, which is a Channel 9 news outlet in its gray television group, Inc. It's written by uh, Marshall Lewis in Rogue Korea. It was published on August 4th, 2022. So if you just go to WAFB News and look up August 4th, you'll find this article with the headline of Stopping the Spread of Testicular Cancer. It's very interesting and it's very, it's a short article, but it, it also talks about this new procedure. So I think that's one to look at as well and to think about as we see advancements in treating testicular cancer. Another topic that comes up in these headlines is fertility and what men have been able to do to preserve their sperm and have children later uh, after their surgery or chemo. You know, I've talked about this with a couple of the, the men I've interviewed, too, and this happened with Max. It seems that the request to preserve your sperm often happens quickly, meaning, so, oh, I have to have the surgery tomorrow, and by the way, you need to go over to this office and take care of your sperm and make sure you have some. Now, I'm not a man, and so I can't talk about it from the perspective of that, but I can talk about it based on Max and based on these other young men I've talked with, which is basically what, you know, I have to do this now in the middle of worrying if I'm going to live or die and getting ready for surgery or whatever, chemo. And some of it you just you can't prevent. It's the way <laughs> the situation unfolds and, you know, you've probably noticed that when men are diagnosed with testicular cancer, Surgeons don't want to wait. They want to take off the testicle, if that's what they have to do, start the chemo and get going. And so I, I don't have any other insights on that for what you have to do, but I think it's just part of the process is saying it too simplistic. It's too easy to say it that way. It's, not, it's more than part of the process. It's a huge component of dealing with this cancer and feeling that you're going to be okay. You know, a comment about that, and many men have done this successfully and have had children after their treatments, so I think it's worth just knowing about. I guess I don't think I have, you can say much more about it. You have, you know, you have to do it. You have to do it if you want to do it. I mean, right? So maybe not everybody wants to do it, but something to think about. The thing I've noticed, too, is the different types of fundraisers that happen with survivors of testicular cancer or their families or both. You know, it, it, it can be a golf tournament. That's a, it's kind of a traditional fundraising event in the U.S. I've seen people play 
ball games. You know, the person who died might have been a ball player, you know, a baseball player, just different kinds of things. We've always wanted to figure out some way to do a video game fundraiser since Max was, um, that was his major and really a big interest to him and to his brother, John. So we haven't done that yet, but it's, it's something that I think would be, um, interesting to do and fun. It would be really fun. So um, the other thing when I look at some of these headlines is health insurance coverage. You know, Max also told me that when he was just trying to find out what was wrong with him when he had this pain in his back. And he was at a urgent care clinic in Wisconsin, a little town in Wisconsin where he was working. And another young man came in and needed treatment for something. But he couldn't get it because he didn't have health insurance. And again, this is six years ago, but so 2016. But Max said to me how lucky he was to have health insurance, which at that time, you know, he was on mine because he was under 26, and that was good. He had good coverage. But it it raises the point of people that don't have that that benefit you know what are they going to do and yes there are public hospitals there are places you can go and ask for help and so forth but often that's it's challenging when you're in the midst of this health crisis so i mentioned that and here's a headline about a cancer survivor who had to i'll read the headline this is in the uk Cancer survivor sleeps in car for last eight months because he can't find affordable accommodation in Jersey. So this is Jersey in the UK because he didn't have money to get an apartment or what he needed. And this guy, uh, the amount of money he made wouldn't cover his rent. And, you know, he's homeless. And he was diagnosed in 2003 with testicular cancer, given the all clear seven years later. So that would have been 2010. So it's just a situation. It's not a lot more information about him, what he's doing. He's trying to get access to government housing, but apparently whatever he needed didn't work. And so it's just, it's a situation I think that I think about a lot because in my opinion, poverty is probably the biggest problem, issue, challenge in the United States. And until we address poverty, I don't think a lot of the other issues that we face will be solved. And that's a big ticket to say, oh, just solve poverty. I mean, how do we do that? So he, this guy was actually in a relationship that fell apart. So that's why he has wound up with his car as his home. So there's, you know, there's always more to the story, but it's, it's been going on for him a long time to find a place to live. And this was an article in the Jersey Evening Post on June 7th. And the headline is, Cancer Survivor Sleeps in Car, as I said earlier, for the last eight months. So it's a topic that comes up on any kind of illness, because if you don't have health insurance or you don't have the money to take care of yourself, then it's it's more than a challenge. It's life-threatening. So I think, you know, that's... That's something uh, I think people face. And I guess my question is, what can we do about that? And, you know, I know there are resources. So American Cancer Society often, you know, may have, not often, but I know they have, this can direct people to resources for financial help. 
And I, I really don't know about the other organizations, but I think hopefully people will reach out to others to try to get help so that they can take care of themselves. And I think the other thing that I'll end with is the kind of family link, the genetic link. And I've talked about this on one of the previous podcasts. And, you know, there there have been generations, and I've seen a, just a couple of these uh, mentioned, one on Twitter and then one with another connection through Max's dad, Chuck. But the grandfather, the father, and the son, they've all had testicular cancer. Um, they've all survived. But, again, that's that's a lot. That's because it's no different than women with a lump. And, you know, I know that with my family. Uh, I'm adopted, but my birth family, all the women, all my aunts, including my birth mother, except one, and there's five of them, had some kind of cancer. The one that didn't have cancer, who was the oldest, had Alzheimer's or dementia. But all the women had some kind of cancer in their lives. Uh, most of it was after menopause. But I find that that interesting. I mean, I've had it as well. But my cancer, I know, was caused, it was caused by radiation in the 60s for acne. On, you know, I had zits. And we went to a dermatologist who told us he would give me light treatments, which included putting a lead vest on my chest to protect it from the light treatments. They didn't cover up my neck. And that's where the cancer started um, in my thyroid. So the family connection, the genetic connection, I think is worth paying attention to if that's a situation in your family. Those are just, as I said, this was more of like a, a trends conversation about kind of, you know, what I see and what you might see when you read about testicular cancer. The other thing is a lot of fitness. A lot of people with any cancer, not just testicular cancer, but you survive and then you decide to start running marathons or to do something to get back in shape and to get probably get your confidence back about how you feel about going through this procedure and time off work, time away with where you can't really interact the way you want to with your family. And I think I think that's a really good option too. And it can be as simple as walking 30 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be a huge you know, endeavor to, to get fit. But I think that's another way you know people have dealt with it. I think one of the people I talked with was ran the New York Marathon or the Canadian team. And so he had been running marathons at home and he was working with students, his, his students. He was a teacher to help them learn to walk and run. So, you know, there's lots of ways to give back that may not be directly to testicular cancer, but it's to better lifestyles and healthy living, which I think is really worthwhile. So that's kind of what I have right now. And I hope everyone is having a good summer wherever you are. And we will be back with some more podcasts and guests um, in the weeks ahead. And enjoy the day. And if you want to listen to some of our podcasts, you can go to the Max Mallory Foundation and just click on podcasts. And we're at www.maxmalloryfoundation.com. Mallory is M-A-L-L-O-R-Y. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer. If you enjoyed this podcast, please 
Subscribe to our program on your favorite podcast directory. You can also visit the Max Mallory Foundation at www.maxmalloryfoundation.com slash podcast to listen to previous podcast episodes or donate to the foundation. And join us again next time for another episode of Don't Give Up on Testicular Cancer. <laughs>